Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, there's the story of a Gentile prophet named Balaam. The Moabite king Balak had hired him to curse and prophesy against God's people Israel, whom Balak the king greatly feared. Yet at each instance, as much as Balaam desired to please the king, whatever he spoke concerning Israel turned out not to be a curse, but a blessing. These parables recorded in Numbers 22 through 24 had a greater impact than just the Lord's frustration of a heathen king with an evil intention towards God's people. These parables actually reveal how God views his people, whether the nation of Israel in the Old Testament or the church in this age, despite the failures and weaknesses. God sees the church as glorious, victorious, and beautiful. Well, how can this be? It's because he sees the church, the believers, in Christ. Ron Kingus has returned for another life study from the book of Numbers. Ron, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back relatively soon. And I was enjoying, in your opening, the emphasis, whether intended or not, on God's view, on God's seeing of the situation. God has his view, and if we can enter into God's view, we will be enlightened, supplied, and blessed through this portion of the Word, rightly unfolded through the Lord's ministry. Well, in this case, Ron, it was intended because that's really the focus of our whole program today. This is a wonderful message, one that our listeners will enjoy. I've enjoyed uh, uh, getting into it to help prepare our portion a little bit. What we're going to see is not just these three chapters that I referred to in the opening. It actually, Witness Lee will add uh, chapters 20 and 21 to this list. So altogether, five chapters from 20 through 24 with a number of interesting stories and events. But the point behind all of these stories, all of these events, is to reveal two marvelous divine persons, Christ and the Church. Give us a little background, a quick review, if you would, of the stories that we're going to examine today. It's remarkable that the perspective of this message is on Christ and the Church. It's so easy to utter these words, Christ and the Church. But um, it's easy to miss this marvelous revelation. So I appreciate in each of the chapters what's revealed here. In chapter 20, you have another reference to the smitten rock. 
And the rock there is Christ, typifies Christ in his incarnation, who is smitten on the cross. We know on the cross he died for our sins, shedding his precious blood, but also he died to release the divine life as the living water to quench our thirst. So that's a picture of Christ we have in chapter 20. Then in chapter 21, we have another type of the bronze serpent. We know this signifies Christ from the Lord's own word in John chapter 3, verse 14, that Christ in his redemptive death was made sin for us. He knew no sin. He had no sin. He did not have the element of sin. But according to Romans 8, 3, God sent him in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin, so that God could condemn sin in the flesh when Christ died as our substitute, fulfilling the type of the bronze serpent. Then we also have, in this same chapter, the fountain, or the well, springing with living water. And this record points out that the nobles among the people of Israel dug the well. And this signifies that in our experience, sometimes we need to dig because we may have unconfessed sins, we may have some defilement. We need to dig by confessing to the Lord and opening to the Lord so that the living water will flow. And the issue of this is that we become a noble person in our fellowship with God. So we have Christ as the rock, we have Christ as the bronze serpent, and we have Christ now signified by the well. Then in the parables uttered by Balaam under divine inspiration, we have quite a view concerning the church, and I believe we'll get into this in a little while. But we have a point toward the end of his utterances concerning Christ. It's a type, but it's also a prophecy. And he is called the star, and he is called the scepter. The star is obviously a heavenly body for shining, and the scepter represents ruling authority. So here we have the shining Christ becoming the ruling authority, and as such a one, he emerges out from God's people. And that is possible because according to God's view contained in the parables of Balaam, God's people are holy, they're victorious, they're glorious, and they're beautiful. Why? Because of Christ, because they're in Christ and Christ is in them. So Christ can issue from them as a star and as a scepter. Quite a marvelous view of Christ with the church opened up in these chapters of the book of Numbers. Mm, marvelous summary, Ron, and a good setup, I think, for our program today. Let's go right to Witness Lee. In these five chapters from 20 to 24, it is quite a picture. A picture full of things, matters, people. But intrinsically speaking, what do you see in these five chapters? In brave, the intrinsic characters in this picture are just two persons, Christ and the church. Why I say this? In typology, this 
Five chapters present a full picture of Christ to us. First, in chapter 20, it presents us Christ as the smitten rock that throws out the living water to meet our need. Then you come to chapter 21. 21 shows us mainly Christ is our replacement. He is a bronze serpent to replace us, to bear God's judgment upon us, not only for our sinful deeds, sinful behavior, but also for our sinful nature. He has accomplished such redemption so deep to replace us in our sinful nature. Now, such a one has become a fountain welling up with the living water. Isn't this wonderful? In him, all problems in our behavior and in our nature all have been solved by him being our replacement as a bronze serpent. Now he is our well. And what we have to do just to dig the well a little bit, he becomes our land of rest. Here, there's no shortage, no problem, no sufferings. Everything has been solved. He's altogether our satisfactory rest. Well, Ron, we pointed out in the beginning that the program today was going to show us how these five chapters reveal Christ and the church. What we've seen so far really is Christ revealed in these different types and pictures. You mentioned them in your intro. I would just like to come back to a couple of them and ask you to develop a little bit more, particularly at the end here as he was talking about Christ as our well. This is the solution to all of our problems. He said if we dig just a little bit, the enjoyment here becomes our land of rest where there's no shortage. Uh, This is the all-inclusive Christ that we've touched a time or two in the past in this uh, life study of numbers. Maybe you could talk about that for a minute. This is most pleasing to fellowship about. Recall that in chapter 21, we have Christ typified by the bronze serpent. This is a matter of redemption, uh, dealing with sin, Clearing the way for God to justify us, to reconcile us, to forgive us. This is Christ in the judicial aspect of God's complete salvation. And we rejoice that this aspect of Christ, to some extent at least, is faithfully presented by many ones endeavoring to serve the Lord. But there's much more of Christ revealed in the Word, than this aspect. In Romans 5.10, Paul goes on to say that since we have already been justified, much more we shall be saved in his life. Well, this is related to the fountain welling up. This is a matter of life. Redemption deals with so many negative things. But we need life to deal with death on the one hand and to supply us abundantly on the other hand and in and by and with and through Christ as our life, we are saved. This is fully revealed in Romans and this salvation involves sanctification and being renewed 
It includes transformation, confirmation, glorification. It even includes being built up in the organic body of Christ. This is wonderful that we have not only a Redeemer, one who was made sin for us, but this very one in resurrection is our fountain welling up, supplying us with living water to quench our thirst and to solve our problems, because so many of our problems have their source in lacking Christ as life. We need life to supply us and life to save us. But as wonderful as this is, it's not the goal. The ultimate type of Christ in the Old Testament is the good land. This is Christ in his unsearchable riches, and this land is called our rest. Here in Christ as our good land, God's purpose is fulfilled, because here God has a kingdom signified by the city. He has a house signified by the temple. And God's purpose is fulfilled when we enter into this good land, Christ, as our rest. So we begin as sinners needing the sin offering for our redemption. The one made sin for us in resurrection is our fountain welling up unto eternal life. And by the supply of his life and through the salvation in his life, we are guided by him into himself the all-inclusive Christ, signified by the good land. Here we rest, here God rests, because here God's economy is fulfilled. Isn't this wonderful? Oh, boy, I'll say, this is more than wonderful. This is the hope of our salvation in a very real and practical application, it seems to me. Ron, in our next section, we want to go now to these uh, parables, as they're called, in chapters 22, 23, and 24, the words of the Gentile prophet under the inspiration of God, this Balaam, as he spoke, uh, intending to curse, but only able to bless Israel. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In chapters 22, 23, 24, in all these three chapters, are nothing but four parables by these gentle, heathen prophet. In his four parables, what are here? Christ and the church. How is the church? The church is what? Is a separate people, a particular people, sanctified unto God. The church has no iniquity in the eyes of God because the church is not in themselves, in the people themselves, but the church is in Christ. In Christ. So such a church is perfect and is also in his appearance, beautiful. Such a church is full of Christ. Christ is the church contents. Christ is the church constitution. Christ is the church's every part. And the new man, Christ is all in all. Christ. And what can Christ? It's not earthly Christ, but heavenly Christ. He is the star. Out of what? He comes out, out of the church out of Jacob, and this star is the scepter. This heavenly Christ is the, what, authority in this whole universe. So he shall come as the star. He comes out of the church, but as the scepter, as authority, he shall come. Today, he's our scepter, but 
Tomorrow he will be the authority in this whole universe. So, in conclusion, you put all these five chapters together. What you can see is just Christ and the Church. Ron, all four of these parables show something marvelous, but because of the limitation of time, I'd like to focus on the one that you mentioned earlier, and that is verse seventeen in chapter twenty-four. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. There shall come forth a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and he shall crush the corners of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. No doubt this is Christ again, but this time Christ coming out of God's people and full of authority is indicated by this scepter. Talk about this Christ. This is the Christ who is first wrought into our being according to the revelation in the New Testament, particularly Ephesians 3, Christ making his home in our hearts. We say that because he issues out from Jacob and arises out from Israel. He comes out from within us. That means he first must enter into us, make his home in us, be constituted into us, And then eventually he issues forth as the star. This is the heavenly Christ shining in such a glorious way. Then this star eventually is the scepter, the universal authority, the one who rules, who smites the enemy and rules with authority to carry out God's government. Literally and objectively, this will be fulfilled in our Lord's coming again. He will be the star. He even said he will be the morning star to the watching, overcoming saints. And he will have the scepter to rule during the coming kingdom age. But in terms of spiritual reality and present experience, this Christ is emerging out from the church, both as the star and as the scepter. So we are privileged to know him and even to participate in bringing him forth that he may shine and that he may rule for the glory of God. Hmm. Ron, we have one more segment. We're going to stay in this portion, chapters 22 through 24, on these parables of Balaam. Here's Witness Lee. Well, in uh, Balaam's parables, As prophecies, you see, all the riches which are related to the church are all covered. The church is victorious. The church is the horn of the wild ox. And the church is the lioness. How about this? My, the church is what? The church is like a garden. Like a garden by the river. And the church has its valleys stretching out afar, full of riches, full of green. And the church's water flows like a river, also like the water in buckets. Everywhere is water. It's all together, not dried up. How about all the things? Let me check with you. The uh, book Ephesians is a heavenly book on the church. When you come to the book Ephesians, could you see all these things? Ephesians didn't tell us the church is guarded by the river. Ephesians didn't tell us water buckets. <laughs> Small vessel. 
You think you're too small in the church. That's a bucket. But this bucket is full of water. Amen. How about this? Uh, the Ephesians doesn't tell us the church has valleys. Not only is it one, valleys. But stretching out. Not in many directions. It may be in four directions. What is this? New Testament tells us Christ the Lamb of the tribe of Judah. But Ephesians never tells us that we are lambs. Well, there is a book which is called Numbers. In other words, could you have such views concerning Christ, concerning the church? So, I like to uh, try my best to help you young ones to learn how to study the Bible. Seemingly, this is just a book of history concerning Israel's journey in the wilderness. But in such a history, the intrinsic contents are nothing but Christ Then Christ's body, the church. This is clear. Well, Ron, time is short, but I think we have to comment on his uh, marvelous comparison here of this book of Numbers to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. I think most Bible scholars acknowledge that Ephesians is the top, the highest utterance, especially related to this matter of the church. And yet here he points out that such a book as Numbers conveys uh, portions or aspects of the church that cannot even be seen in Ephesians. This is marvelous, isn't it? The comparison with Ephesians with respect to the church is very significant here because we're using as our standard the highest revelation concerning the church in the scriptures, the book of Ephesians. Yet, faithfully, as always, our brother points out, in the Old Testament, particularly here in Numbers, are aspects of the church revealed in figure not found even in the book of Ephesians. The horns of the wild ox, indicating the church is victorious. The lion and the lioness, another indicator of the church being victorious. The garden by the rivers, the the flowing water, even from the buckets, the smaller vessels. These are marvelous pictures of how God views the church. If we have this view, we will have the proper appreciation of the church of God. And I emphasize the church of God, not just any Christian group, but the church of God. The church of God in his eyes is victorious. It's a garden. It's a conquering lion. It's an ox that licks up the grass, inciting terror into the enemies of God. This is the church as God sees the church, Because God sees the church as she is and where she is in the wonderful Christ. Hmm. Ron, this has been a marvelous program, and I've not been disappointed in any way. I've thoroughly enjoyed the fellowship and the view that we saw right from the beginning. What this message was all about is how God sees us, the church, in his purpose, especially seeing us in Christ. Allow me to say, Chris, that By working on this a little and fellowshipping over this now, I am personally refreshed with uh, an up-to-date appreciation of Christ with the church, the focal point of God's economy. We invite you to contact us. I think the printed Life Study message today would be a, a tremendous asset. 
If you've enjoyed the fellowship, you will more than enjoy this printed life study that covers these matters in more detail. You can call us toll-free to find out how to receive it. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's our toll-free number, 1-888-543-3788. And what a view we've had, and an unexpected one, I think, for nearly all who are entering in. They realize there has been such a rich and uplifted view in this Old Testament book, often overlooked and very much misunderstood. But what a marvelous study we've had in the book of Numbers. So for Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.